0: For our scripture reading today will come from Ezra, 3rd chapter, verses 10 through 13. When the builders laid the foundation of the temple of the Lord, the priests in their vestments and with trumpets, and the Levites, the son of Asaph, with cymbals, took their places to praise the Lord as prescribed by David, king of Israel. With praise and thanksgiving they sang to the Lord. He is good. His love towards Israel endures forever. And all the people gave a great shout of praise to the Lord because the foundation of the house of the Lord was laid. But many of the older priests and Levites and family heads who had seen the former temple wept aloud when they saw the foundation of this temple being laid, while many others shouted for joy. No one could distinguish the sound of the shouts of joy from the sound of weeping, because the people made so much noise, and the sound was heard far away. Uh, this morning, I'd like to thank the ladies for playing The uh, That was beautiful.
1: I, I thought that was an awesome part of the service. And also, I want to thank all of you for allowing us to do the offering once again, and the Really important part of worship is for us to give to God as a community and honor Him for what He has so blessed us with. And I'd like to thank my daughter in law and my granddaughter for being here this morning as well. And when she says, Who's that? Who's that? Uh, you know, Pat Ball. So there you go. So anyway, I'm glad to hear this morning. Anyway, I've been coaching boys basketball, all age groups, for about 30 years. And I think my favorite age is the third grade boys. Now you get them little jokers together and you get them out there warming up and starting to practice. Uh, the first thing they like to do is grab the basketball and go out to the three-point line. And they crank that joker. They just throw it up, man, praying that the ball goes in the basket. Well, you know, the little dude, he makes one out of ten. He's all excited because he made one out of ten. His mom and dad's excited because he made one out of ten. Now, if that same kid who chucked that ball and made 1 out of 10 plays basketball when he gets to high school, uh, he might shoot 2 out of 10. On a very good day, he'll shoot 3 out of 10. And he's wondering, why ain't the coach playing me? And the parents are wondering, my kid's a great shooter. Why ain't my kid getting in the game? Your kid shoots 2 out of 10. No coach wants a kid who shoots 20% from the three-point line if he can't do anything else. Now, if he's a halfway decent defender, maybe day, he might shoot 3 out of 10. On a really good day, he'll shoot 4 out of 10. But for the most part, he shoots this consistent 1 out of 10. So when I'm coaching high school boys and we're out there working out i watching them, I watch their form. And most of time I just go, oh my gosh. Call the parents, can you help my son? Can you help him be a more consistent shooter? And I'm just, I'm going like that. I said, his form is awful. Everything is awful about this kid's shot. But because everybody thought he was good when he made one out of 10 when he was in third grade, now that he shoots two out of 10 or three out of 10, you think he's great, and it ain't gonna happen. A good shooter should consistently shoot 50% from the three-point line, consistently. If he doesn't, we call him a streak shooter. He might make a whole lot one game. The next four games, he won't make any. But the form is awful. And the reason the form is awful is because you don't have a good foundation. In basketball, and this is really all I know about as far as that goes, in basketball, and I'm sure probably most sports, the foundation is footwork. If you've got the footwork right, chances are you're going to be a pretty good shooter. So with the little dudes, I'm always saying, how do you set your feet? Anywhere on the floor, how you set your feet is the foundation for being a good shooter. So in AAU ball. Coaching the high school boys and I got them running all over the court in different areas. I say three things. Set your feet, put the ball in the pocket, let it fly. And then I'll say feet pocket shot. Feet pocket shot. The foundation makes the difference in basketball. And I'm sure a foundation, a good solid foundation, makes a good anything in life. No matter what you do, you must have a solid foundation to be successful. Without the foundation, you're goose. It has to be a good beginning to be successful later on. When the children of Israel returned home, their first task was to they set up the altar. They restored burnt offerings. They kept all the feasts. And then they began to worship the Lord. And then they set up their vessels, which we talked about last week. After all this work was done, they then began to lay the foundation of the house. It's good to worship. It's good to repent. It's good to give an offering. It's good to do all these things. But if there's no foundation on which to do those things, what's the point of doing them? There must be a good, strong foundation. Now look what happened after the children of Israel laid the foundation. First, the Bible says, the priests were clothed in their garments and they praised the Lord. The Levites were equipped with their instruments and they praised the Lord. The people... Praise the Lord in song, praising the Lord because He's good and His mercy endures forever. The people praise the Lord because the foundation was laid. The elderly wept. They remember what the temple was like before, and they saw the foundation being laid again. They began to cry for all of God's goodness and what he had done in their lives in the early days. The younger ones began to shout for joy. They worshiped the Lord and gave him honor. Why? Because they were free. They never experienced the first temple, they just knew they were in bad situation and they wanted out and when they saw that foundation being laid the bible says they shouted for joy so loud was the praise in both people that they couldn't decide are you laughing or are you crying nobody knew what they were doing but i want you to notice who all praised the lord the priests the leadership they worshiped the lord they gave him glory and honor the levites the one who take care of the sanctuary and all the things around, they worship the Lord. The people in general worship the Lord. And then he says the elderly worship the Lord because they remembered the goodness of God and the younger ones worship the Lord because they were free. Everybody worship the Lord. Upon that worship, as they were laying the foundation, they got the enemy's attention. In Ezra chapter four, these people from another city heard this group was worshiping the Lord, and they come along, and said, "Hey, we want to join with you. We've heard about your God, and you know we used to worship your God a long time ago." Zerubbabel and the leader says, and you're not you're not part of us. You worship a false god. You follow a strange god. You will not be a part of us because we don't want to intermingle that way. Why?" because it's what got him in trouble in the first place. They allowed the world and the outside influence come in to work with them thinking they were pleasing God, and they weren't. Zerubbabel and the leadership said, not this time. This time we're not going to fall for that trap. We have to separate ourselves from the evil and from the bad that you're doing. We want no part of it. Well, of course, the enemy didn't like that. So Ezra says in chapter 4 that they went to the king. And this is what they said. 21st century paraphrase. They're judging us, they're mocking us, they say we're not of God because we like to follow the pagan God and worship these false gods. They say we're not with them, and they won't allow us to worship the God that they worship. So, King, we're coming to you, and we're asking you to forbid these people from doing the right thing. And this is why Haggai came along. He says, What are you people doing? The people catered to the evil and to the wickedness of the enemy and said, we won't build the house of God. And the prophet said, come, build the house of the Lord, do his work, lay the foundation and worship him, and God will be with you. The enemy didn't like that at all. There was a fight going on. I want you to know this morning the foundation of this church and the foundation that was laid in all of our lives is the Lord Jesus Christ. He is the foundation on which we are built. Matthew chapter 7, verse 24. Therefore, whosoever heareth these sayings of mine and doeth them, I will liken to him a wise man which built his house upon a rock. The rain descended, the floods came, the wind blew, and beat upon that house, and it did not fall, for it was founded upon the rock. Have you struggled in your life? Have you struggled in your prayer time? Have you struggled in your family? Have you struggled individually in the church? Has the church struggled? But because you've been founded upon the rock of the Lord Jesus Christ, these things have not swayed you. They have not moved you. They have not touched you. Why? Because Jesus Christ has dwelt in your heart and you kept pressing on. You might have not liked what was going on. You might have not liked what you felt. But in your heart, you knew he was here. And you knew everything you were founded upon him and what he done on the old rugged cross we can take comfort in that when a storms comes and all these things happen around us and the world goes nuts and everybody seems to be going crazy we can be steady on because we've been founded upon the rock of our lord jesus christ every aspect of our lives is built around this foundation ephesians chapter now, therefore, you're no more strangers and foreigners, but fellow citizens with the saints and of the household of God, and are built upon the foundation of the apostles and prophets, Jesus Christ himself being the chief cornerstone, in whom all the building, fitly framed together grows into a holy temple in the Lord, in whom you also build together for an habitation of God through the Spirit. When you leave here, Christ is in you. He is in you through the Holy Spirit. He is in you by his word. Everywhere you go as a spiritual temple, you represent the Lord Jesus Christ. One of the things I like to do back in the day was derby. So we'd build a derby at my brother's house where my mom and dad lived in Camden. And we put the car in the garage and we're working on this derby car. And you know, I'm a Christian and I like to, I like to rock the boat. Question you about your faith, what do you believe, where you're going. All that kind of stuff. So on my derby car, because I was pastoring in College Corner, I wrote right on the engine hood, "Please don't hit the preacher." And then I put scripture all down the side of the car. And my brother said, "You're an idiot." He said, "You're a walking target." I said, "I don't care. It stirred something. It might have stirred a bad thing, but it stirred." I'm like, "It's done putting on. There? Please don't hit the preacher." I lasted two minutes. As soon as I backed my car out, I got popped. I got popped from the front. I got popped from the back. I got popped from the side. My car was going everywhere. work. I lasted about ten minutes. I ran into him in the, head of the corner, like any good Christian would do. I just go run and hide. I got popped out of the corner. I got down to number seven in the heat. I was pretty happy, but I did it because I represent the Lord Jesus Christ. There used to be a time I hand out Bible tracts. Go to the fair, and hand out Bible tracts. Go preach on the street. Anywhere I went, I wanted to represent him, not just in the building, but who I am in him and what he's done in my life. So whenever I built a derby car, that's what I always did, and my brother never understood it. He just, he just said, you're just dumb. I don't even want to be around you." But this is who I was. is who I am, and that's who I want to be. I represent him matter where I'm at in life. And as a result of this, you and I are offered spiritual sacrifices, 1 Peter chapter 2. You also, as lively stones are built on a spiritual house, a holy priesthood to offer a spiritual sacrifice acceptable to God by Jesus Christ. Wherefore, also it is contained in the scripture. Behold, I lay Zion, a chief cornerstone, elect, precious, and he that believeth on him shall not be confounded. We have a building. We worship in a building. But he dwells in us. And he dwells in us everywhere we go. We represent him. Now, I haven't always done good at that, especially at work. I apologize to my supervisors more than anybody in the world. I'm sorry I talked to you that way. I'm sorry I acted like that. You know, I'm asking for your forgiveness. And the answer is, well, you're human. Okay, I am human. But I'm really working on this. I really am. If they would just get rid of the dumb machine, my sanctification would probably work out of it. It's not working out like I want. But nonetheless, we are examples everywhere we go. We represent the Lord Jesus, and He is in us, dwelling in us, and we should do the best that we can do to represent Him. That same foundation that your forefathers built in building this building, and that was laid in all of our lives, and the one that you share with other people, is the same thing that happens in us, in other people's lives. In 1 Corinthians chapter this is what paul says according to the grace of god which is given unto me as a wise master builder i have laid the foundation i have preached the gospel of jesus christ he says to this church and he says another comes along and he builds on the foundation that i've laid but then he says let every man take heed how he builds thereon for other foundation can no man lay than that which is laid which is jesus christ It is the Lordship of Jesus Christ, what he done on the cross. This is what we tell other people, that Jesus Christ died, that he rose again, that he came to give man life, and he came to give man life more abundantly. All churches are founded on this principle. Jesus came to save the lost man. He saved the apostle Paul. He changed his life and turned him around, and he went right to the Gentiles to preach the same message that he had received, that Jesus is the Christ King of kings and Lord of lords. As you continue to build on this foundation and work with him, the Bible says God will give the increase. In 1 Corinthians chapter 3, So that neither is he that plants anything, neither is he that waters, but God that gives the increase. Now that he that plants and he that waters, they're one. And every man shall receive his own reward in according to his own labor. For we are laborers together with God. You are God's husbandry, you are God's building. What happened here in the Corinthian church? Paul comes and he preaches the gospel. And the Corinthian church gets in a big fight. And one says, but hey, I'm not of the apostle Paul. I'm of Apollos. Apollos is the one who brought me to faith. Another guy says, comes along and says, I'm not of Paul or Apollos. I'm of somebody else. And Paul says, what are you doing? He said, did I save your soul? Did I change your life? Did I make you new? He said, no. But he said, Me, Apollos, and this other guy, we have a work to do. What is the work that we do? We work together to bring you into the kingdom. You're sharing your faith with somebody. Does somebody don't get saved? And let's say they come around to you four weeks later and they say, I got saved, I accepted Jesus Christ as Savior, and I got baptized, and I'm going to church with so-and-so. Wait a minute, I just did all this work in your life. I shared the gospel with you. I came to your house. I mowed your grass. I did all these wonderful things to you. Look what I've done. How dare you get saved and go to somebody else's church? That's crazy. Just do the work God has given you to do. We work together for the kingdom of God. Whether this church, Baptist church, community church, St. John's church, what does it matter? If souls are being saved, if lives are being changed, if families are being put together... Nobody gets credit but God. Do your part. starts cranking that ball, and he makes three in a row. His team gets fired up, goes and gives him high fives, starts checking his hand. We're on the roll now, Johnny. Let's go play some ball. Their defense picks it up, and all of a sudden, they have a lot of enthusiasm. Well, when the players get enthusiasm, the bench players get enthused. They start standing up and rooting for the guy because he hit the three ball and rooting for the team because now they're defended. All of a sudden, the coach thinks he's doing a great job. He pulls his britches up and says, look what kind of a coach I am. I got my boy out there hitting all these three balls. That defense is up, and all my kids on the bench are up. Well, when the coach thinks he's done a good job because the bench has done a good job, because the players have done a good job, because the shooters done a good job, now the fans go nuts. And they're cheering, and they're all happy because everything's working together for this one player. Well, the other dude on the other side, he's not liking this. He don't like the deck coach making fun of him because now it's not about the kids, it's about the two coaches. Now you're making me mad, brother, by your kid hitting all those street balls. So this coach looks down at
0: the bench and says,
1: all right, number 10, you're the clumsiest kid I got.
0: I know you don't know how to
1: play the game of basketball. You go right in there and you foul Johnny about three times. When he comes in Set a pick for me, go Because you're a kingdom person working in his kingdom, working for his glory, and because he dwells in your heart and he dwells in your soul, you can never be defeated. And it's not because of you. It's because of the foundation. What's the foundation? Jesus Christ the Lord, and like him, there's no other. Matthew 16 and 18. He says, And I say unto thee that thou art Peter upon this rock, I will build my church and the gates of hell shall not prevail against it. What is he going to build? The Lordship of Christ. He says, Peter, who am I? He says, you are the Christ, the son of the living God. Based on that confession, I'm going to build around that. And when I build it, you won't be destroyed. When those two churches came together, three churches came together, and they built the foundation of this building, they built it on the Lord Jesus Christ. And when they came and started doing it, they said, we do it for your glory, Lord. We do it for your honor. We do it because you're the King of kings and Lord of lords. And because it was built on that foundation, it cannot be destroyed. Because somebody shared Jesus Christ with you. Because your mom or dad or whoever it was brought you to church and you of Sunday school or children's, because you were taught the lordship of Jesus Christ you cannot be moved and you cannot be changed why because he's done something in your heart so powerful he won't let you go has he not done that work in you man has he not changed your life where you just all you want is him All you want is to be in his presence. All you want to do is to read his word. All you want to do is to be in his house. All you want to do is to be around him because of what he has done for you. You cannot be destroyed because you've been built upon the right foundation. And because you've been built upon the right foundation, you must continue to do the work of the church. He says in verse 19 in Matthew 16, I will give unto thee the keys of the kingdom of heaven. Whatever you bind on earth will be bound in heaven. And whatever you loose on earth will be loosed in heaven. What he's saying here is that the keys to the kingdom is the lordship of Jesus Christ. The keys of the kingdom rest in the church. What does this mean? The keys of the kingdom rest in the church. Doctrine. Good doctrine. Discipline. All this is part of the life of the church. And he says to him, if you bind that and you say that's not right for you to do in the church, he says, the kingdom of heaven agrees with you. If he says, if you lose that, and he says it's okay to do this, he says the kingdom of heaven is all right with you, he says. How does this play out in reality? We call it the Jerusalem Council, Acts chapter, I believe it was fifteen. So they're filled with the spirit of the living God. They go preach to the Jewish people first that Jesus Christ is the Messiah that the old prophets talked about. They get saved and they get turned around. They begin to go to the Samaritans who are kind of mixed Jewish people, mixed Gentile. They get saved. Then they go to the Gentile people. They preach to the Gentiles who are not the covenant people of God. They get saved and filled with the spirit of God. Now a lot of people are mad. And they say these Gentiles must be circumcised to be saved. Doctrine, so to speak. So they call what's called the Jerusalem Council. Paul, Peter, and all the hot rods, they get together and say, What are we going to do about this? These guys are coming in and saying, You have to do these laws to be saved. What are we going to do? And there's a big discussion. And I'm sure you guys haven't had big discussions before in your council meetings about what you're going to do with the church. So they have a big discussion. All of a sudden, Peter stands up. Peter, who had confessed Jesus Christ as Lord and Savior. Peter, who denied him three times. Peter, who walked away from him. Peter, who didn't know nothing about anything in life, but he was just a hard worker. And if you asked him to do something, he would get it done. He stands up and he says, I had a dream that what God said was clean, I was not allowed to call unclean. These Gentiles are unclean by the law. But I witnessed with my own eyes a Gentile get saved and filled with the Holy Spirit just like we were. And he says the dream came, the word came. I saw this man take who am I to put a yoke on this man that God doesn't want him to have? Because God says... to do in one's life. That's what it means to have the key. We bind and say this is forbidden. We loose and we say this is acceptable to God. How do we do that? Through his word. The apostles established the church. There's no way around it. What they say in the word of God is what goes and that's what the goodness of God and the grace of Jesus Christ and we've accepted him as Lord and Savior and we've had a good foundation laid in us and it's that foundation Lord that we strive to give to others. Bless us Lord help us to share our faith bless this congregation Lord I know they've been put through the wringer. I pray Lord Jesus right now you touch their hearts. Touch them right now in the mighty name of Jesus. Touch their spirit and help us all to know Lord that you are with us And if you are with us and for us, no one can be against us. Not because of us, but because of what you've done on the old rugged cross, Lord. Change us, make us, mold us, form us, convict us, teach us, lead us, and guide us. Do it through your Holy Spirit by the power of the word of God. I ask this morning in Jesus' name.